Hello and welcome back to Live Vedanta. If you're joining us for the first time, we're a podcast hosted by Vivek Gupta, the resident guide of Chumaya Mission Niagara, and we're amidst a series called Bhagavad Gita 101. If you want to start from the very beginning of this specific series, check out our show notes. We have a link to episode one. If you want to just go back to the previous episode, we also have that in our show notes. You can check that out. But today, have you ever thought that your work has a higher purpose? In this episode, we learn that that with a change in mindset, we can come to love our work as an avenue to convert values into virtues. Let's dive in. There are many people whom you must meet who have a philosophy that might is right. The bigger your arms, the bigger your gun, that's what right is. And the effect of such a philosophy is live and let die. You live and whoever dies, dies. Yes, you know people like that. A different philosophy is, right is might. It's not the size of your arms, but the size of your heart. Not the size of your gun, but the size of your generosity. And the effect of such a philosophy is, live and let live. This is how I live, and this is how you live. The difference between these philosophies is culture. Those who are more cultured are more sensitive to themselves and others. So they know that being right is stronger than might. They know that who they are is special and who others are is special too. Culture cannot be faked. Culture comes through practice. It could be Bharatanatya. It could be cooking curry. It could be speaking Hindi. Recently, I gave a expert, proficient discourse in Hindi. So amazing that people were crying. (laughs) I think because they were so moved, but it could have been laughing at me. And the import of this is that I don't practice Hindi. So I don't have that culture of speaking Hindi, but I practice English. So I have that culture of speaking English. Our course is not a course on faking our relationship with Bhagavad Gita, rather how to practice Bhagavad Gita. There's various verbs that we're engaged in, like relating, communicating, working. How do I sing? How do I feel divinity in what I'm doing? And this month we're focusing on working. In chapter 4, Shloka 16, Bhagavan Krishna says, Kavayo Pyatra Mohitaha, which means that even wise people, Kavis, even they are confused deluded about 
what work is, what work is not, why to work, and so on and so forth. So it's relevant that we would be studying work too, because we are not kavis. We are not wise yet. We began this month in chapter 5, verse 8. Bhagavan Krishna enumerates to Prince Arjuna a series of actions like uh, eating, like hearing. And he says throughout all of this, one should have the feeling that this is not me. I am not the doer a remembrance of the divine, a humility as one engages in these actions. Making this more simple, if you get, then you have to give. Do you all agree? If you get, and I obviously mean this in a positive way, like if I get anger, then I should give anger. <laughs> if you get, then you should give. And I know you all agree with me. Now I'll make this uh, more philosophical. Getting we call as prasada buddhi, yes? And giving we call arpana buddhi. Most of the time when we study Vedanta or Bhagavad Gita, we feel that arpana buddhi leads to prasada buddhi. When I'm dedicated, I will be cheerful. But here I'm reversing the order. If you get, you should be cheerful. And I invested a lot of time last week reminding us of everything that we've gotten in our lives. Loving parents, a healthy body, a safe home, and on and on and on. That I should be cheerful about all that I've received. And the more deeply I feel this, I will be dedicated to sharing the same privilege, to creating the same opportunities for people I know, people I don't know. Prasada buddhi should lead to arpana buddhi. When one is appreciative of the gift that God has given you, the fact that you can hear, the fact that you can eat, then give back to creation, give back to your creator. In a Hollywood sense, this is called paying it forward. Yes, there's a lovely movie called Pay It Forward that uh, highlights this idea. And one last review point, since we're highlighting working. When we pay it forward, we should pay it forward in a way that the world needs whatever we can give. You shouldn't pay it forward in a way that the world doesn't need. Such as, if someone gave me a water bottle right now, that would be more of a burden to me than a gift because I already have a functioning water bottle. Now you think of your profession. If you don't engage in your profession tomorrow or the next month, will the world go on? I'm suggesting it'll go on better without you. <laughs> so to think, are you engaged in what the world needs? And this is not just about your professional work. So many of us are not professionals. Whatever you're doing, 
serving an organization, looking after your family, are you looking after your family in a fundamental way? If you think fundamentals is cooking and cleaning, but you can pay someone else to do that. Rather, are you providing security, inner security? Okay. We continue. We return to chapter 13, verse 11. 13, 11. This is one of my most favorite parts of Srimad Bhagavad Gita. The virtues that Bhagavan Krishna shares and in this verse he explains the logic of these verses. 13, 11. What Bhagavan Krishna shares here. Adhyatma jnana, that is knowledge, that is insight. Adhi atma, your spirit, that which is the closest to you. Nityatvam, this feeling should be with you always. Okay, this is the literal meaning of this. What Bhagavan is sharing is everything that I taught you in the earlier verses, you should be practicing this nitya. So now what is shared in the earlier verses is 20 virtues. These are the same virtues that I elaborated on in our community calls, in Vedanta and Minds through Facebook. So I'm not going to get into detail what these virtues are, but I'll give you a framework on how to understand this quarter more. How many of you have been part of a Face Everything and Rise workshop with me? A fear workshop. Okay. In our workshops, I start off with the symptom of fear. What is the general symptom that fear causes? Failure. Example, if I'm afraid of a certain exam, I'm going to be too nervous to think clearly, there's a chance that I'll fail. Yes? Failure. That's a symptom. Now, if there's a symptom, there has to be a source. If my nose is running, my body doesn't naturally do that. So there has to be a reason for that. It's too spicy, the food I ate, or there's onions, or I'm sick. What is the source of fear? Ignorance. When I forget my nature is existence, awareness, joy, what do I start to fear? death, the unknown, and sorrow. I've forgotten that I am existence, so I fear death. Now, if there's a source for fear, there also has to be a solution to fear. And most of our solutions are, have more lights on in your house. 
have a bigger savings account, hire more security, take a cold shower, run. But the solution to the source to the symptom is responsibility. In Vedanta, we call that dharma. Dharma as a noun means responsibility. Dharma as a verb means that which integrates. Your responsibilities integrate your body, mind, intellect. You become more cohesive, become stronger. And some of us already know that, so the workshop actually ends not with the solution, but with a resolution. See, all year we know that we should be healthy, correct? But going into December, what do you plan? A resolution. How are you going to internalize this solution? What is the way to stay strong with your responsibilities? Purpose. When you know the purpose of what you're doing, you will not sway from your dharma. It is when we lose track of that purpose that we compromise. Now what I'm sharing here, dharma or responsibility, if this is my bhava, my feeling as I'm engaged in my schooling, in my working, in my family, I will drop <coughs> all vices. Vices like complaining, vices like being lazy, vices like com comparing. And the vice I want to highlight here is you will not dislike what you do. As long as you think something is not your responsibility, you'll have dislikes and likes. But when you know this is your responsibility, dislikes go away. Letting go of dislikes, which also means letting go of likes, is actually one of the first steps towards sannyasa. And what's beautiful about this is that you don't have to let go of anything externally, but you must let go of things internally. See how universal that message is. Nitya. Your responsibilities will carry on until you are dead. And if you're not enlightened, when you're born again, more responsibilities will come. This is emphasized more in the second quarter of this shloka. Tattva jnanartha darshanam. Darshanam means to see, to perceive, to feel. Tattva jnana artha. This knowledge now is not just in your atma, but it is knowledge of the tattva. You have to feel that divinity not in yourself only, but also in others. How many of you, after you engage in contemplation, you have a, a deep sadhana, you feel that you're nearly enlightened? That if you had 15 more minutes, <laughs> that would have been the 15 minutes to break that ego. And then, you park at the grocery store, or you park at your child's preschool, and someone is one-third into another line. <laughs> what happened to your enlightenment then? <laughs> See, it's very, I don't know if I'll use the word easy, but it's easier. I'll give you the full framework, okay? 
you begin feeling divinity in a murti. That's why samashti sadhana or community worship is important in all religions. I'm highlighting sanatana dharma, a mandir. But the evolution of feeling that divinity in a murti or in an icon is to feel that in your madhyavana, in your center, in your heart. And that's what the first quarter highlighted. But now the second quarter is the final evolution of divinity is to see it in manava, as in, in humans and animals and plants and stones, but particularly humans. It's much easier to get along with a parrot or a squirrel or a dog than it is your cousin. <laughs> or in this month, the people you work with, the people you serve with, right? In Sanatana Dharma, in Bhagavad Gita, I cannot overemphasize the need, the vitality of Dharma. There are six types of Dharma that you have to reference according to this shloka. So I'm going to tell them to you. The first is known as Samanya Dharma. Samanya means general. The Samanya Dharma of everyone is to not be violent with others. That's a very general responsibility. That's macro. The micro is known as Vishesha Dharma. In our class right now, there is a variety of demographics. And their, demograph their responsibilities are different than your responsibilities, which are different than your responsibility. Yes? Vishesha, it's specific. My specific dharma is I have to help Vyasa sleep by 7.30ish. Right? Last year, our classes were at 7.30. Now they're at 8 because he goes to sleep later. Yes, so that's my Vishesha dharma. Okay. Next is known as Ashrama dharma. Ashrama dharma is really the period of life that you're in. So if you're 25 to 48, what ashrama are you in? Your responsibility is to train yourself in loving the family and community. If you're 49 to 60, your ashrama dharma, vanaprastha. You're training yourself to love from community to society. And if you're 61 and over, your sannyas ashrama dharma is to shift from society to humanity. Yes, that's for all of us. In a more micro sense, it's known as Varna Dharma. Varna means, please don't say caste. <laughs> Varna means color. If you're more of a lazy person or tamasic, what should your Dharma be? Be rajasic. If you're already Rajasic, I'm not going to say be Rajasic. If you're Rajasic, be Sattvic. Yes. And it flows in the day too. Today when we drove to Cleveland, I had to be Sattvic at the beginning of the drive, then Rajasic, then Tamas was coming. So I had to come back to Rajas, right? It kept on having to flow like that. I became so Tamasic, I had to hold my breath. <laughs> like it was sub-Tamasic. <laughs> now, I think you may know about all of that. Now I'm going to tell you two more. 
Next is known as pravasa dharma. Pravasa means traveling. There is a dharma when you travel and there's a dharma when you don't travel. Yes? Your dharma when you travel is don't make as much noise. Yeah, if you're in another person's home in another city, don't make as much noise. Don't draw such a scene to yourself because that may be unnatural to that environment. Yes? And apat dharma. What does apat mean? Emergency dharma. When everything is falling apart, you can't go into, okay, my pravasa dharmas don't make noise. The house is on fire, but I remember pravasa, pravasa dharma. Everyone be quiet. Quietly go. There's a fire in the kitchen. <laughs> right? Apat dharma means you break everything and get out. When my batchmates and I learned about Apad Dharma in the Vedanta course, we use that for everything. <laughs> everything was Apad Dharma then. <laughs> now you see why there are so many details when it comes to Dharma. Bhagavan is trying to encourage us to never justify why we're not engaged in our Dharma or Sadhana. Now we do, isn't it? When you travel, you're on vacation. Vacation from what? You may be on vacation from your professional work, but are you on vacation from remembering God? Are you on vacation from dharma? Apat dharma also, you still have to, in the churning of the milky ocean, when everything is being poisoned, they still remembered Bhagavan, correct? No justification to drop dharma to drop sadhana. That's why these words like nitya are used. Darshana is used. You're always seeing, correct? Here darshana means feeling. To always feel the presence of the divine. Then Acharya Shankara, I'm reading Acharya Shankara's commentary. He says this quarter is meditation. You should be forever meditative on your nature. Now, when I say something like that, that's very difficult for us to grasp, which is why I've shared uh, there cannot be a dropping of your dharma. That we can grasp much more. I have to be responsible always. Okay? I go to the third quarter now. Etat jnanam iti proktam. Proktam means is said or described. What I just shared in the earlier verses is jnana. And what did I say was shared in the earlier verses? Virtues. Humility, unpretentiousness. And 20 are listed. And here Bhagavan Krishna is calling this as jnana. How? How? What is the logic to all of this? You've heard me ask you this in the past. When you look in the mirror, do you ever feel lusty towards yourself? Do you ever wink at yourself or put your hand on that mirror and like, you know, caress your hair or give yourself a little kiss? <laughs> do you do that? Of course you don't do that. And if you do, wrong class. <laughs> There's others I'll pass you on to who know more about what's going on with you. When you look at your bank account, are you ever jealous of your own bank account? 
Of course you're not. It's your bank account. Yes. In oneness, there are no vices. In the experience of Advaita, there are no Kama, Krodha, Loba. None of that is there. Vices can only exist in separation or in Dvaita. So now what Bhagavan Krishna has been teaching in this chapter is virtues. If oneness is the cause, the effect is virtues. You're with me? Bhagavan Krishna is taking it the other way, the more manageable way. Virtues are the effect. You can hold on to them more. And if you follow the effect back, where will it take you? To the cause, which is that oneness. The more virtuous one is, the less one feels separate from others, from themselves. Someone who's patient feels everyone they're interacting with is an infant, correct? How patient parents are with their infants, at least in movies they're supposed to be. <laughs> so in the same way, imagine you have this bhava that everyone is your child. And that's why in Maharashtra they tend to refer to Bhagavan as Mauli, as mother. And to, the way to start feeling that Bhagavan is their mother, they call each other Mauli. Kids call their parents Mauli, parents call other parents Mauli. When you go to Pandarpur, when you go to Alandi, everyone calls everyone Mauli. Everyone touches everyone's feet. It's such an awesome practice. Not let's just talk about culture, rather let's practice culture. And in very technical Vedanta, Antakarana Shuddhi prepares you for what? Or purity of your mind prepares you for what? Jnana Pramana. For knowledge to be authoritative. I'm listening to Swami Chinmayananda's talks on Viveka Chudamani in the Civic that I drive. And when I drive the CRV, Sheila CRV, I listen to Guruji's Swami Tejumayananda's Bhagavatam. So having come back from London, I was driving the Civic. And one of the sadhanas that a shisha needs to develop towards one's guru is obedience. Implicit obedience. Now all of us are very liberal-minded and liber liberality and obedience sometimes don't go together. Why should you be obedient? You have your own feelings, you have your own opinions. And Swami Chinmayananda shared why obedience is necessary so logically. If you're trained in obedience, one day when your guru feels you're virtuous enough, what will she or he say to you? Tat dvam asi. And if you're trained in obedience, what will you feel? Aham brahmasmi. But if I'm not trained in that, <laughs> how many times we've heard tat asi already, right? We have it tattooed to our brains and our bodies. <laughs> and we look back, I think that... Twam is over there, over there somewhere. <laughs> Are there multiple twams in the room? <laughs> See the logic of that. We all have, in my meditation and life course, I've been sharing too much jnana. That jnana has become intellectual and not faith-oriented. 
And when jnana becomes intellectual and not faith-oriented, there's no pramana. It's not authoritative. It's simply another objective science. That's why Bhagavan is sharing it. I don't know if you all know this. This is the most complex chapter of Srimad Bhagavad Gita. Scholars, you know, they think so much about this chapter. And I feel that it's so, it's so simple. Bhagavan has said jnana is being completely pure. And then he closes this shloka by saying, Ajnana. What an educator Bhagavan Krishna is. He presents both sides. This is jnana and this is Ajnana. Teaching by love and teaching by discipline or fear. Yet, Ataha, Anyatha, anything that is not encouraging virtues is called Ajnana, is called ignorance, is ignorance, not just called ignorance. While I was in London, I interacted with a lot of university students. It's a big university city. And so many of the university students I talked to, I never asked them about what program they're in or what their grades are. The question I asked them is, are you happy? And one actually said that if zero is neutral, I'm barely above zero, just flirting above zero. And I, I didn't feel sad for me, but in general, that that's what university has become. And this is just a university in a city. I'm sure it's everywhere. That people go to university because they think the purpose is marks, for a job, for prestige. And what gets lost in all of this? Happiness, which is the actual purpose. Yes? And I shared with that with you earlier. If dharma is the solution, what's the resolution? Purpose. So here Bhagavan Krishna is saying anything that is not encouraging you to be more virtuous, to encourage you to be more happy, is adharma or adnyana. It's going to disintegrate and destroy you. Now, if you connect the first shloka from chapter 5 and now the second shloka from 13, in chapter 5, I tried to open our minds that work is not professional only. Work is every verb we're engaged in. Yes? Now I brought this together more, I think, in my mind. The thought flow is, in chapter 13, now in everything I'm engaged in, what should be the result of what I'm engaged in, there should be a conversion from values to virtues. And if what you're doing is not creating that conversion, you are engaged in adharma. You are engaged in adhyana. There will be no happiness. And so I'll finish my thoughts with, in the Ramayana, when Jatayu is fighting Ravana, trying to save Mother Sita, eventually Ravana cuts off his wings and Jatayu falls to the ground and dies. Ravana actually gets the loot, possesses that loot. Now who do we worship? Jatayu or Ravana? Bhagavan Rama didn't even cremate his own father but cremated Jatayu. 
See, the purpose here was serving Bhagavan or being happy. Jatayu was successful. Ravana was unsuccessful. He was not serving Bhagavan. He was doing the opposite. Yes? I'll give you another narration. Sugriva. When Sugriva is uh, on one side of the ocean, he happens to see Ravana in his uh, bedroom. You know, it just that line of sight had opened up. And he was so excited that he actually jumped up into Ravana's room and said, I'm going to end this war. And Ravana beat him up bad. <laughs> Ravana put an end to all of that excitement. And Sukriva came back with his tail between his legs. And uh, when he went to Bhagavan Rama, Bhagavan Rama smiled and said, uh, I'm glad you tried, but what were you thinking? <laughs> You, you have to know who you are to be able to know what you can do. See, in Sugriva's excitement, he had forgotten who he is, but particularly he forgot who Ravana is and forgot that this is Bhagavan Rama's responsibility. Yes? So how this relates to working, applied Gita and working, the more you know who you are, your guna, the more you will align your karma. Guna karma vibhaga shaha. Yes. But if you don't know who you are, you're going to get into a profession, going to get into a relationship, get, going to get into a purpose that is uh, not applying Gita. Gita is just a book you keep in your library. If you enjoyed what you heard or want to learn more, share this episode with a friend or find us online at facebook.com slash cmniagara. For those on the journey of self-development, Chinmaya Mission Niagara provides a community forum for seekers to listen, reflect, and contemplate. This podcast is produced by the Young Adults of Chinmaya Mission, an international nonprofit working to transform individuals through the knowledge of Vedanta. Until next time, inspire, love, be.